0: we give you all the glory and the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated, <clears throat> get comfortable. While well, I just get my props organized. You know me and my props. <laughs> Thanks, Sharon. So we've been looking at Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you. <clears throat> place these there for one moment. And today, as you can see from the pickle jar, my message is called Preserved in the Pickle. Being preserved in the pickle. He preserves me in the pickle, and I am the pickle. Sometimes I'm a little bit prickly. Sometimes I'm a little bit more preserved than other days. Do you have those moments as well? So let's get out the pickle jar to prove the point. So if anyone gets any hungry, if I speak for too long, feel free. There's plenty of pickles to go around. (laughs) (laughs) And because I'm such a visual person, um, and Jesus often teaches me through dreams and pictures, um, this is the parable of the pickle. The kingdom of heaven is like a field of cucumbers. <clears throat> it's a field of cucumbers. The crop was abundant and more than enough for the farmer. So he decided to preserve the cucumbers and to make some pickle to feed his family and community right throughout the year. Now, this farmer, he had a very abundant crop like my friend Joe. Joe. And his cucumbers looked like this. (laughs) Now that's going to make a lot of pickle, isn't it? Very abundant crop right there. So pickles are made from cucumbers, as we know. Cucumbers are soaked in brine or a vinegar base, normally with plenty of extra herbs and seasonings. Then they turn into pickles. The natural preserving agents... Uh, salt, which makes it tasty, spices and pepper, which sort of, you know, rubs them up and makes them nice and spicy, and vinegar, which is astringent agent. It can be a cleansing agent and actually detoxing. I take apple cider vinegar um, each morning. I've been told it helps to lose weight. I'm still waiting. Um, (laughs) But they do tell me that um, good things take time. So, you know... (laughs) And it smells really great, doesn't it, Greg? You quite like it. Yeah, not. He, he, he does his prayer in the other room. <laughs> no, he doesn't like it at all. Um, when I was little, my grandfather used to pickle onions. And um, they lived in Australia. And when we went to visit, he would have lots and lots of jars of pickled onions. But one thing he, he told me was that it takes... It's a process, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. so he would you know preserve them during the year, put the little you know those yummy little ones in the jar with all the bits that it needed to have the preserving agents in and then we would partake of it at Christmas time when we'd go over there as a family and they were so delicious but the big thing was that it took time. You couldn't just put them in the jar and then ne- next day eat them. It doesn't work like that. Preservation means to keep alive or in existence make lasting, to keep safe from harm or injury, protect or spare, to keep up, maintain. So I've looked at the preserving agents in the natural, in the pickle. What about us being preserved in the pickle, in the pickling jar? The preserving agents of the spirit. The first one is the Holy Spirit, the living scriptures. I hope you can see that okay. Um, prayer, the continual seeking, the on your knees prayer, seeking his ways, the belief, being fully convinced of who he says we are we are, who he says he is, he is being fully convinced and faith, seeing the unseen realm, that sight to see because as the preserving process takes place inside the pickling jar You become stripped of your old way of thinking, your mindsets and behaviours, and become matured and preserved with life and with more taste, just in the natural. They're they're yummy, aren't they, to eat? And Mel, you told me last night, you're quite keen on pickles, feel free, I've got quite a few to share. (laughs) They're tasty, they're juicy and they're really delish. You're tastier to yourself and more importantly, you're tastier to those around you. Which is a good thing, isn't it? When Christ is in us, the hope of glory, it needs to come out of you, doesn't it? You become a palatable pickle, I like to say. (laughs) But the big thing is we need to stay in the process. And this is the process of preserving. Preserving us in the pickle jar is for the purpose of maturing and perfecting us to become his spotless, Blameless, and I say, wrinkle-free bride. Are you wrinkle-free, or do you need a little bit of ironing, like I do? Yeah. Philippians one verse six gives us confidence, though. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day Jesus perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the work is within us that transforms us. It's an inside-out reality, isn't it? It preserves us to perfect us. So how many times do you hear people say, or you might even say it yourself, gosh, I'm in a real pickle. I've had a bit of a pickle week myself. And the reality is you can stay in that pickle, I'm telling you. And Jesus says, great, great, you're in the pickle. You're out of control, that's a great place to be. Maybe now you'll let go of the reins of control and let me help you in that process of being preserved, right in the midst of that pickle. Hmm. James 1, 2 to 4 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your face faith, rather, <laughs> testing of your face. Detesting of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking not one thing. Um, for those who were here last Sunday morning during worship, Jo Hughes had a word for us as a family. And she said, You may seem at times a bit up and down, but you're not confused. It's time to lean in deeper. And I say, amen, absolutely. It's time to stay in the preserving process, regardless of what your emotions and how your feelings and what circumstances are telling you. That's the point. You stay in. We must remain in the preserving jar if we're ever going to experience what Christ has come to set us free from and how we are to live. If we take ourselves out of the preserving jar, we're just an isolated cucumber. And cucumbers don't have legs, do they? So to be honest, you're not going to get very far by yourself. It's the same with Christ. If you take yourself out of the process, you know, he's over here going, hey, I'm over here, I want to give you a little bit of hand in your preserving. But no, you've decided, I'm going to do it my way. I've got a better idea than you, Father. Really? See how that works for you on your own. It doesn't work very well, does it? So why do we often choose to do it our own way? I believe it's, Greg um, alluded to it before, it's self-preservation. We like to look after ourselves. How can I preserve myself in this situation? It's getting a little bit... um, Mm -hmm stressful, and I just don't know what to do. I know, I've got an idea, right? I'm sorting it. It's all right, Lord, I don't need your help. I'll sort it myself. It's prideful, isn't it? And it's trying to stay in control again. comes back to that control and pride, and we're actually really good at doing this. Lily um, recently uh, did a speech at school, and funnily enough, it was about sea cucumbers. Does anyone know what sea cucumbers are? (laughs) They're the strange little strange little creature. If you want to know more details, go and ask Lily. She can tell you the whole speech. It was very funny and entertaining, actually. Um, but they these strange little creatures that they are called vacuum vacuum cleaners of the sea. They're really amazing, actually. Anyway, when they are attacked by predators, when a predator comes along, they spill out or spew out their internal organs. And the predator. It's very clever. The predator eats the internal organs that have been spewed out, thinks that little sea cucumber is dead, the sea cucumber plays dead, and then the predator moves away. Unbeknown to the predator, the sea cucumber is very much alive, and in two to four weeks, it regenerates its internal organs. So it's, you know, fully able to function again. Isn't that amazing, God's design? It's pretty cool, isn't it? So, just like the sea cucumber What comes out when we're squeezed or pressed Or a predator or persecution comes our way I must admit, when I'm doing it my own way Hangry and ugly comes out But when the inner man is being regenerated by the Holy Spirit Just like the internal organs are regenerated the beautiful life of Christ comes out. The preserving agents of the Spirit come out, which is life and joy and peace and patience and the fruit of the Spirit. It just naturally flows out. Um, yeah, I want to be that cucumber. I want to be that pickle. <laughs> so I want to highlight a man in the Bible that did not use the tactics of self-preservation to get his own way. In fact, this man knew what humility and betrayal and persecution was from his own family members. He knew and experienced physical and emotional pain, but remained in the preserving process nonetheless. And it was for a greater purpose than what he had ever imagined. Let's take a look at Joseph. And if you want to follow along with me, I'm not going to read all of this passage of Scripture, but it basically goes from Genesis 37 through to 46. So, So Joseph, he was a much-loved son of Jacob who was given a multicoloured tunic, and today, for the purpose, I thought I'd get, wear a multicoloured tunic. Could have been more colours, but it's okay. I could have worn Joseph's, yeah, Greg's, <laughs> what do we call it? Dressing gown, there we go. <laughs> it's not enough colour for me, though, unfortunately, Rodney, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, he was given a multicoloured tunic from his beloved brother, er, uh, father, rather, father, brother which made his already jealous brothers despise him even more. Then he had a couple of dreams. Now, these weren't dreams like, you know, dreams that I might have or dreams that you might have. Um, They were prophetic words from the Lord. They were prophetic words from the Lord speaking of his future reality. And in these dreams he was, and I'm paraphrasing, the kingpin, and his brothers were bowing down to him. So he naively shared these dreams with his brother, brothers and his father, which angered them more. Of course, they were already jealous. They didn't want to hear about this dream about being de- bowing down to their younger brother. Why would you? And he then received a bit of a rebuke from his father. He said, tone it down, Joseph. You know, your brothers don't want to actually hear about that. Tone it down. Sort it out. Joseph's like, oh, okay, all right, and just held on to that word. It's okay. So fast forward a few months, and we see the story really start to kick in. Joseph follows his father's orders to go and see how his brothers are fearing in a nearby village tending the flocks. And um, as he drew closer, this was the brother's response. So let's look at Genesis 37, 19 to 22. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say, A wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, Let us not take his life. Reuben further said to him, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him. Reuben was his older brother, and he didn't obviously want his... um, younger brother Joseph, to be killed, and he wanted to later pull him out of the pit and send him home to his father. Unfortunately, the other brothers had other ideas, didn't they? Just as quickly as they aborted the plan to kill him, they had another idea and decided to sell him into slavery. They lied and deceived the father, and he thought that Joseph had died in the wilderness. Joseph's father, it says, was absolutely distraught. And he was so distraught that he mourned for many, many days for the loss of his beloved son. He was unconsolable. Joseph, on the other hand, was not dead, as we know. He was then sold again to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, where he became his personal servant. Things are looking up. It's looking up for Joseph, except for the fact that he was incredibly (laughs) good-looking. Greg says that much better than me. Just like Greg, was incredibly good looking. And Potiphar's wife was wild about him. She thought he was hot stuff. And so she tried to seduce him. Joseph ran, but Potiphar's wife screamed false accusations of Joseph's intentions, which, what does it say? Resulted in him being flung into prison. So he was put into this jailhouse prison falsely accused, and it was a pretty tough time for Joseph. He's like, what the heck? I didn't do anything. I'm innocent here. What's what's going on, Lord? However, the kindness of the Lord was upon him, and he gave Joseph favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The Lord gave Joseph the ability to interpret the troubling dreams of both the cupbearer and the baker, of which Joseph pleaded with them both to remember him by mentioning him to Pharaoh when they became before Pharaoh. One of the dreams' outcome was favourable, back in Pharaoh's presence, and one not so much. He was hanged. And this all occurred as Joseph had interpreted. Unfortunately, though, Joseph was forgotten. Can you imagine how Joseph must have been feeling at this point? He had remained faithful in prison, he'd gained favour from the jailhouse um, chief chap and he was even able to interpret these dreams that he knew had come from the Lord for these particular men and yet still he was left in this flippin' dungy cell and forgotten about. He could have decided right then and there to actually have a whole big pity party He could have decided, look, I I just feel worthless now. What's the point? Might as well give up on life. God's forgotten me. Those dreams that I had when I was 17, God's obviously forgotten. Why me? Why am I here? I've done nothing wrong. But you know what? He didn't do any of those things. He remained faithful and steadfast. Because the next account that you hear of Joseph, he yes, he'd been forgotten in prison until there was no one to interpret Pharaoh's troubling dreams. Now that was another matter. Suddenly, Joseph was remembered, and he was brought forth into Pharaoh's presence. The Lord gave Joseph wisdom to discern what the meaning of the dreams were, and he shared the interpretation regarding seven years of abundance, big bumper crops, or seven years of famine. And he offered godly advice and a strategic plan with Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Pharaoh was really pleased at this. He thought, wow, where has this man acquired his knowledge from? None of my magicians and wise men have been able to interpret my dreams. Who is this guy? He was aware that Joseph had a divine spirit, the word says, wise and discerning. Therefore, Pharaoh set Joseph above his own family and over the whole land of Egypt. Wow, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Joseph was now in a very important place. I like to say he was now PIP, P-I-P, pretty important person, over the whole land of Egypt. So the promise of the word through the dreams that God had given to him at a tender age of 17 empowered him to stay in that process, empowered him to stay in all of those situations where things were doom and gloom. He had faith and sight to see the future, the unseen realm. It gave him confidence and assurance of what he was hoping for, despite the trials and the tribulations that he continued to encounter. That faith, that Christ in us, the hope of glory, that substance of Christ within us, enables us to go beyond when things are pressing us. And you know what? Do you know how long it took for the word to be fulfilled? It was 13 years. He was 30 years old before he saw the prophetic dreams become a reality. He had to wait. There was a process. There was a preservation time. So Joseph's preserved in the pickle moments. He was plunged in the pit by the jealous brothers. He was prosecuted for purity by Potiphar's wife. And he was pipped at the post by the cupbearer and the chief baker in prison. But then he became Pip himself, didn't he? He became the pretty important person. See how God works? It's amazing, isn't it? Not our ways, but his ways. So through all these horrendous, life-changing experiences, Joseph's heart remained tender before the Lord. He was faithful, wasn't he? Remained steadfast. And with full confidence, he was able to say, now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. This is to his brothers when they came to get food because there was famine right throughout the land. And they were fearful of this now brother who had this authority. So Joseph forgave them in such a beautiful way. He knew the Lord. He knew his righteousness. He knew these men were just doing things in their own strength. They didn't know what they were really doing. And this is what Joseph said. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Wow, to preserve life. Not only Joseph's life, but the lives of many, many people. He was put in in charge of all the food in in the land. And people from many different nations came to actually buy from him because of the authority that he had. His final outcome was to be positioned in the palace, far above of what he had thought. Psalm 103.4 says, who redeems your life from the pit, that's certainly what happened with Joseph. Who crowns you with love and kindness and compassion, that's certainly what happened with Joseph, isn't it? So, what happens when we decide to take ourselves out of the preserving pickle? Any guesses? It's not really that pretty. I'll give you just one example. We could be all here all day with my examples, but I'll just give you one today. So... I'd taken Lil to, um, to keyboard on a Saturday morning, and um, I'd, I'd got up early to do some reading and prayer, but then I'd sort of mucked around, and I didn't have time for breakfast, and I was like, quick, go, let, we're going to get in the car, quick, get your um, music books, okay, we'd, let's, we'd go, oh gosh, I haven't had breakfast. So starting feeling a little bit hungry during the keyboard lesson, but it's like, that's okay, we'll just pop into the supermarket on the way home, and um, how about we get one of those nice fresh croissants, because they're so yum. And Lil's like, yep, okay. So um, we popped into the supermarket and I got a yummy croissant <clears throat> from, the, from the counter and took it up to the self-checkout because that was going to be the quickest way to get that croissant into my mouth and into my <laughs> belly. So there was no queues. That was great. And so um, got into the, uh, the thing, did my swipe card, and it said, please take your bag. So, you know, that's fine, please take your bag, yeah, okay. But I didn't hear it like that, because at this stage, I was really hungry. I was really angry-hungry, and um, when that happens, I just get a little bit hit up. And what I heard was, please take your bag! And I'm like, and I actually turned around to them and oh, I am! <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I am, I am, and I, I took my bag, and I quickly scurried away. I'm thinking. Oh, I hope no one was here. Oh, I hope no one from the Rock was there. <laughs> <laughs> that was not. That was not being preserved in the pickle. That was. That was totally my own flesh coming out. Shivers. Eat before you leave home. That's probably the moral of the story. But isn't that interesting? That that's often how we hear God speak to us. He's so disappointed. and He's so angry with us. You know what? That's actually not the truth. We hear it that way. Because we're out of the preserving jar. You know, when we take ourselves out, we absolutely don't hear correctly. We absolutely don't hear correctly at all. We hear lies. We hear thoughts of others that may be nice thoughts, but actually are they God's truth? Hmm. We must remain in the preserving jar. So we know that Greg has just done a um, series on... um, ...being a letter of Christ. And if you haven't heard those um, that series... ...I'd really encourage you to go online and listen. Um, it's, you know, that what does Christ say about you? A, a personal letter to you from Jesus himself. What does he say about you? What is he continuing to say about us? As I've been reflecting on this and writing my own letter... ...I felt Jesus speaking to me about three specific nurturing characteristics... That he gives us as we stay in the preserving jar. You know, despite the circumstances that we might find ourselves in or the emotions we may be feeling on a day to day basis, it doesn't matter because these characteristics run true. The first one is lavish. He lavishes his love upon you. How beautiful. 1 John 3.1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. I just love that language. And that is what we are. We are heirs. We are co-heirs with Christ. We have sonship with him because of the love that he's lavished upon us. The second one is nourish. He nourishes us with his goodness. Come taste and see that he is good. There is a food source that is abundant and never, ever runs out. It is Christ himself. He he is our food source. And it nourishes us with goodness and richness. And then from that part, we go into number three, which is flourish. We then can be like a tree that is firmly planted. Psalm 1 verse 3 says, He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. And its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. So, you see, there is a process there. As he lavishes his love upon us, as we feed from the rich food source from heaven itself, then we may flourish like a tree that is firmly planted, firmly rooted, and steadfast. And then we can nourish others. We can lavish his love upon others. So, you know what happens? It's an in, through, and out process. In, through, and out. And it's repetitive. Because of, that's his nature, isn't it? He continues to lavish, nourish and enable us to flourish. But in all of this, we must stay firmly put in the preserving jar, in the preserving process. As I was reading through my notes this morning, the, the father um, said to me very clearly, remain in me as I remain in you. And that's You know, it's talking about abiding in the vine and all of that side of things from John 15. But I feel that that actually is just so pivotal right here and now. That as we remain in him, as he is in us, we will bear much fruit. It's Again, it's that preserving process. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. I love that scripture, and that's what this whole scripture, the whole message, is really about, isn't it? Seeing that Christ is good within us, He gives us so much, and that song, "Come, taste and see that the Lord is good," that we've been singing recently. I'm just going to take a few of those words: the come and the taste and the see. You know, the come is really about a reservation that has already been made at the table for us. The invite has been sent out. The, It's now up to us to come and partake of the banquet. There is abundance. We know this. But do we come? Do we partake of it? And taste. Taste in the natural and over time with maturity, it changes, doesn't it? And um, our taste buds change. The same as in the spiritual. Our taste buds change, and Greg was talking about this 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 morning, that as we hunger and thirst, we hunger and thirst for more. Our taste buds acquire this new taste, this beautiful nourishment, this richness of food source that we can't get enough of. We want more and more and more, and it nourishes us more and more. Psalm 119.103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Have you experienced that taste, that true food source, that nourishes from the inside, that inner man gets strengthened? And see. So a little while back, I was um, here on um, worship, and I noticed that the words at the back of the screen when we were practicing, they seemed a little bit fuzzy, and um, they seemed a little bit small. And Terry would probably r- remember this. I asked you to make the words bigger, didn't I? <laughs> because they, um, I couldn't actually, I couldn't see them that well. And I was saying to other people who were singing with, "Can you, can you see those words?" Yeah, yeah, no, we're fine. I'm like, oh, okay, Or well, maybe just the font that they've used today. And so then, then the next time I was on singing, it was, the, it was the same. And I thought, oh, oh hang on a minute, uh oh, oh heck. Kirsten told me about this. When you reach 40 and beyond, you might need to go and get your eyes checked. And so that's what I needed to do. It turned out that I needed glasses for long distance. I thought, this is interesting. Long distance. So my eyes actually, I don't even know how long they had needed glasses. But until I came to that point of actually putting on these new glasses, whoa, a whole new world opened up which is really good when you're driving and you see the stop sign over there, isn't it? It's really handy, actually. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad, let's be honest. i got a policeman in the room. <laughs> I wasn't driving illegal. Um, yeah, and so, and so just in, in the natural, the same as in the spiritual, about our sight, when we can see, and he enlightens things to us, we can see into the future. We can see long distance. It's faith, it's sight, isn't it? He gives us that revelation. But this can only happen if we stay in the preserving agents of the Spirit. Titus 3, 4-7. I just absolutely love this scripture. It says, When the kindness of God our Saviour and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What a promise for us to take hold of. What a promise for us to understand and believe that this is for me. I am a child of God, and I have been set free from my stuff. Keep me in the preserving pickle, Father. But while you do that, I know that you're regenerating your life within me. The inner man comes to a different um, position, and the old stuff starts to fall away because our focus has shifted and changed. What a beautiful promise. He saved us by his mercy, by the washing and the regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So beautiful. This is the true preserving and pickling process. We must remain. We must remain in it. And as we allow ourselves to be preserved and let his preserving agents fill us and renew us, He he transforms us from the inside out. And that song, Come Taste and See, is literally that, isn't it? We can taste and see that he is good and we'll never want to walk away. And we will never want to walk away the same. We actually can't walk away the same when he's touched us, when one word, when one touch from him transforms us. So right now I'm just going to get Maddie to come forward. And we'll just move this table and I've asked Maddie to come and sing this song, Come Taste and See. She plays it at home and we often just have a bit of a jam together. And we're not going to have the words on the, on the screen as such, but I just want this, the words as, as Maddie and I sing to just minister to our spirits, allow it to saturate and just to you, to marinate in those beautiful words of life us you are for us you are with us you are behind us you'll never leave us and Lord one touch from you can set us ablaze like we heard this morning one spiritual powerful force from you that power that that holy fire that only you can bring can transform us father So, Lord, we say yes to the work to be done inside of us today. We say yes to the more of the preserving, Father, and we want to stay in it. We thank you, Father, and we honour you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. awesome, isn't it? So just want to encourage you to have an awesome afternoon. Um, Come out tonight. We're just coming to the end of Ephesians. I'm going to be talking about the mind and just adding what Paul talked about and how the mind is a place of a real battle. Um, And so we need to have his mind on things. Uh, Outside of that, I just want to encourage you to continue to, if you're not in the discipleship group, to place yourself there. These are the environments that God does real transformation. So you can get information about that out there in the foyer Um, and so let's just continue to press in and lean in to the fullness of life within us Amen. Have an awesome afternoon we'll see you tonight Through the clouds of piercing light.